Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Backheeled Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we are diving into the very first game of the 2024 MLS regular season. We'll chat about Inter-Miami's 2-0 win over RSL and what we learned about both teams, not just Inter-Miami. We'll chat about that shortly, and we'll get into the United States women's national team's first performance at the CONCACAF W Gold Cup down in California. All that in just 10 minutes or less, because here on the Backfield Show, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So, without any further ado, let's get to it and talk soccer. All right, folks, to kick things off, let's talk about the kickoff to the 2024 Major League Soccer season. Inter-Miami taking on Real Salt Lake in Fort Lauderdale at the newly renamed Chase Stadium. Miami winning that game 2-0 last night. Inter-Miami have quickly become a team of extremes since Lionel Messi and friends joined last summer. Of course, Luis Suarez joining them this offseason as well. And that showed in their game on Wednesday. We saw some really good moments, beautiful combination play. Messi doing Andrew Brody so dirty as the RSL fullback writhed on the ground in pain and Messi just chipped the ball right over him in the first half. We saw those things and then we also saw sloppy giveaways from Thomas Aviles and Diego Gomez and Julian Gressel and even Sergio Busquets. It was in some ways a game of two halves where RSL came out much stronger in the second half. They took advantage of the unforced errors from Inter-Miami, but then also forced a few of their own with a higher, more aggressive pressing scheme. They ratcheted up the intensity and pushed their line of confrontation higher up the field out of that 4-4-2 defensive shape, while the attack for Real Salt Lake is still trying to find its footing, and they weren't especially dangerous in this game outside of a set-piece moment in the second half. But while the attack is still trying to find itself, the defense can be the anchor. And it does sound like we're going to see some real tactical shifts from RSL in possession. Even the game last night, we saw at times them shift to a back three in possession and almost go to more of a 3-4-3 look. We didn't see a ton of it because it didn't have a ton of the ball. But the prevailing thought is that is what we're going to get from Pablo Mastroeni in 2024. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Now, Real Salt Lake, we're missing a couple of players that they think are going to be starters, including Matt Crooks, who will be sort of a second forward, number 10 half space guy. He's not a through ball threader. He is, in some ways, very similar to what Demir Krylak brings on the field, just with a slightly narrower frame. No Matt Crooks and not a full roster for Real Salt Lake, and that did present some challenges for them. They were always going to be underdogs and sort of were offered up by MLS as the sacrificial lamb for Inter-Miami to slaughter. But it was not an embarrassing performance by any stretch of the imagination for Real Salt Lake, a team that I think will make life difficult for a lot of their opposition in the Western Conference. And the same for their cross-conference games over in the East. Shifting back very quickly to Inter-Miami before we zoom out to look at a few other big-picture MLS topics. One player that stood out to me, not because he was perfect, but because he was better than I remember him being last year, is Diego Gomez, the 20-year-old Paraguayan midfielder. I mentioned him as one of the players who struggled to keep the ball in the second half last night, and, and he absolutely was one of those players. He also gets the second goal and was providing real verticality out of the left side of central midfield for Inter-Miami. You know, they need players, especially their eights and Robert Taylor and, and maybe the fullbacks now and then. They need those players to help make the field big, to push the opposition defense back, to then create space underneath for Messi and Suarez and the other playmakers to really exploit and operate in. 
you know, Gomez did a really good job of that. He was an aggressive ball winner, and he was that last year. But he also looked sharper in the final third and sharper at times, not always, but at times in his play in possession on the ball than I remember him last year. It's a good sign for Gomez, and it's a good sign for Inter Miami as they try to evolve and do something more than they were last season. All right, we're going to park chat of the MLS season opener there and quickly zoom out to a couple of other big picture topics from around the MLS landscape. The first one is the U.S. Open Cup. Reports have been flying around about MLS continuing to threaten the U.S. Open Cup and threaten the current existence of the U.S. Open Cup to the point where it doesn't seem like we're going to get the same version of the U.S. Open Cup in 2024 as we have in years past. There will be likely, although this is not finalized, less MLS participation, and that is it's a bummer, right? U.S. Open Cup is absolutely not perfect, and I think anybody in and around that tournament would tell you that. There are lots of things that need to change and need to improve. As a consumer of soccer in the United States, I'm, I'm bummed that MLS doesn't seem to care about this property. I'm bummed that they don't see the value, the narrative value, narrative value that MLS very much needs in continuing to be a part of this competition in a full and complete way moving forward. It's disappointing, frankly, as somebody who loves soccer in the United States and wants to see this sport grow, to see the only real tie between all of the divisions on the men's side severed by the entity on top with a lot of power. It is a downright bummer, and I desperately hope that we see a reversal of this decision and a reversal of tone for Major League Soccer, but the more Don Garber talks, MLS Commissioner Don Garber, the less it seems like that is going to happen, and I'm bummed because I think U.S. soccer is able to continue to improve this tournament and iterate and have it be something special going forward. And now it feels like we may not get a chance to see what it could become. So that is one difficult piece of news surrounding Major League Soccer right now. The other is that the MLS season started with replacement referees. The referees are currently locked out, and we are seeing folks come and referee these games from lower divisions and from all around the world, really. It didn't have a huge impact on last night's game, but you can imagine, as we reach the weekend in a full slate of MLS games, that there will be some challenges coming from the refereeing side of things. That is certainly a situation to monitor. There have been some protests popping up from referees and from folks that want the referees to get paid. That is absolutely something to keep our eyes on this weekend as we move into a ton more MLS action. It's been, it's been a rough hit when it comes to public relations for Major League Soccer. A lot of work for the league to do when it comes to pleasing their diehard fans and when it comes to attracting more fans to the league moving forward. Now, before we ride off into the sunset, let's talk about the U.S. women's national team. Still under interim manager Twyla Kilgore as Emma Hayes finishes up her time with Chelsea over in the WSL and in the Champions League. We're still seeing signs that make it very clear to me that Emma Hayes has real influence on this U.S. women's national team, despite her status, you know, that being thousands and thousands of miles away on the other side of the Atlantic. The U.S. kicked off their Gold Cup campaign with a 5-0 win over the Dominican Republic earlier this week. They will go on to face off against Argentina in their next group stage game. That will be Friday evening. And Mexico in their final group stage game before moving on to the knockout rounds. The U.S. are massive favorites in this competition. And they played like one against the Dominican Republic, completely played them off the field. We saw the U.S. continue to shift from a 4-4-2-ish kind of block in defense, not that they defended much at all in this game, and into more of a back three in possession with a double pivot and double tens. You know, it, it wasn't strictly a back three. Sometimes it was a back two, but really that was the general structure. It's more fluid and yet somehow also more regimented and clear what this team is trying to do now under Emma Hayes via Twilight Kilgore than it was for the U.S. Women's National Team at the World Cup or almost any other time 
under Vlatko and Donovsky. This team is evolving before our very eyes, both in terms of the tactical approach and the personnel. We saw Olivia Moultrie, young Portland Thorns attacking midfielder, just 18 years old, snag a brace against the Dominican Republic. We saw Corbin Albert and Sam Coffey and Jenna Nightswanger all start this match. We saw Jaden Shaw come off the bench along with Trinity Rodman. Young, promising, attacking players that have varying levels of experience with the U.S. I don't think the first-choice group involves Albert and Coffey and Nightswanger and Moultrie, at least not all of those players, but I do think some of them are going to be involved in a real way under Emma Hayes moving forward, and that is an encouraging sign for a U.S. team that needs encouraging signs as they look to bounce back from World Cup failure last summer. We'll have more on the U.S. Women's National Team as the Gold Cup continues, more on MLS, NWSL, USL, here on the Backheel Show feed, and, of course, over on Backheel.com. Go check out the site and subscribe to support our independent American soccer coverage. For now, we'll be back again real soon. We'll be right back.